Yeah, welcome in. Welcome back to another episode of the Format Podcast. Got a pretty interesting show for you here today. Hope you enjoy it. Going to talk some uh, who else? LeBron James, the biggest name still left in the NBA playoffs and uh, his possible future in the remainder of this season. But before we do that, you know what it is. Let's go ahead. If you haven't already and you're here on YouTube, click that subscribe, that like, and that notification bell so you can be kept up to date whenever new episodes of the show come out. If you're looking for the audio-only version of the podcast, open up your audio podcast platform, hit the search bar, type in the format podcast, give us a little search. We should come up. Make sure you go ahead and subscribe right there. Uh, Give us a like, give us that five-star review if you do enjoy the content, and uh, make sure also if you enjoy the content that you share the podcast with other people who you know would look for some sports talk but want to hear a different voice and maybe a different viewpoint than a lot of what you're hearing in the mainstream sports media um that helps us find more sports fans helps more sports fans find us so um thank you so much for all of that and let's get right to it so um last night well i guess depends on when you're listening to this but uh today's uh saturday morning uh may 13th and last night lebron james and the los angeles lakers continue their improbable run through the uh nba western conference playoffs with a 122-101 win over the Golden State Warriors and win their semifinal series four games to two. Um, if you're uh, if you're not new to the channel, you know that maybe a week or so ago, I did a show basically talking about maybe we need to reassess some things in terms of uh, all-time placement in the NBA if Steph Curry and the Golden State Warriors get through LeBron and the Lakers and Steph wins another championship. Well, that's not going to happen this season. And in fact, uh, they're both tied at four at this point and looks like LeBron is now in pole position of those two to take the lead and maybe pick up his fifth. Now, that would be an incredible feat. That would be an 11th finals appearance in his career. And um, he would obviously... Um, win his uh, fifth championship, tying him with uh, Kobe Bryant and Tim Duncan and, you know, getting him a little closer to Michael Jordan in terms of the ring count. Now, for me, again, I, I probably don't need to say this if you're familiar with this show. There's nothing LeBron can do to pass Michael Jordan. To me, it's not close. And to many people, it's not close. But that's a show for a different day. Um, realistically, though, let me give uh, the Lakers their credit here. They got in as the eighth seed and I'm surprised that they're still around, to be honest. I didn't uh, anticipate them beating the Warriors. And, um, you know, they did it to some extent in the old school way in terms of uh, size, physicality, toughness, and uh, playing that way, not necessarily um, taking and making a ton of three-pointers. And this right here, um, as I digress for a second, we always talk about sports being copycat, the NFL and the NBA especially. And once we saw in 2006, the Phoenix Suns kind of really go with the seven seconds or less, you know, up-tempo, high pace, high volume, three-point shooting. And then we saw the Houston Rockets. And then we saw the Golden State Warriors really ascend and be the first team to really win championships that way without dominant inside play and just killing on the perimeter, shooting tons and tons of threes. Well, we saw many, many teams kind of, Uh, try to copy that mindset and copy that play style, even though they didn't have the requisite personnel. And now you see the NBA on the whole shooting more threes than it ever has. And, you know, now it's taught that threes are always beating twos. That's what the analytics nerds say, right? And threes are always going to beat twos and you can't win with twos. But the Lakers just showed that if you play quality defense and you make two point shots at a high percentage that you can win that way. And so credit due for that. Uh, credit due to LeBron James. And I'm going to say something here that a lot of people who are familiar with me and who um, watch, listen to the show or who know me personally may not expect me to say, but it is true at the end of the day. Now, 
how LeBron has gone about his winning, I'm not a fan of. Uh, we all know, if you're not blind, that he's tried to grease the skids at every turn in terms of manipulating rosters to have the best opportunity to win. Um, as an individual player and as a competitor, I don't respect that. But, um, I, you know, if an organization does it, organizations doing their job. As a player, nah, not really with that. Now, again, that comes from the era that I came from and the type of basketball that I came up watching and the type of players that I came up watching. Clearly, that's not how it is today. So LeBron, he does what he does. But um, let me say this, and this is where you'll be surprised. LeBron is, his performances in elimination games, he is one of the best elimination game players in the history of the NBA. And that's just a fact. Um, when the lights are bright, he has folded. But when the lights are bright, he also has come through big time. So there's that. Now, a lot of us look at LeBron and say, um, you know, he's not a clutch guy. He's not that type of player. And the fact is, you could look at it both ways, but the numbers are starting to bear out that he is a big game player. At the end of the day, uh, he's arguably the best game seven player of all time. He's played a whole ton of game sevens. And I think I just saw something this morning saying that he's now second to Michael Jordan in 30-point performances in closeout games. He had 30 points last night. Now, with that said, as we know, LeBron has played 20 seasons. Mike has only played 15. And so, you know, any comparisons to Jordan are utterly ridiculous. And any passing of Jordan that he does, uh, I don't really – I don't respect it so much because Jordan accomplished more in so much shorter a period of time. But, again, that that's a different story for another day. Not here to take shots at LeBron. What I'm here to do at this particular moment in time is say he is one of the uh, greatest um, uh, big game performers we've ever seen, and that is undeniable. Yes, he's had his flops, he's had his flubs, and um, some of them are some of the worst collapses that we've ever seen on the big stage. Got it. But on the whole, throughout his career, he has gotten it done. And that was in evidence last night with um, – and. I don't know that he can get you those big games anymore. I, I just don't think he has the legs anymore. And we're seeing it. The big 40 point explosions like we saw, um, I want to say 2012 against uh, Boston when he was playing with the Heat and he had the 45 and 15, you know, the the incredible freaking game six against the Celtics that kind of uh, put that series away. But um, last night he had the 30 points, 10 of 14 from the floor and early on in that game, you could tell that he wanted to get going early and I'm watching and I'm saying, uh, do the Warriors want to play any defense tonight? Any? <laughs> but yeah, 10 of 14, um, nine rebounds, nine assists. So almost a triple-double, um, uh, you know, incredible shooting percentage from the floor. So credit where it's due. LeBron came out, did his thing. But this is where I kind of diverge on that path, okay? So I gave LeBron his credit. Now, um, we, we also have to be objective. We can't just give a guy his credit and leave it at that. We also have to look at the context that happens in, in in a lot of cases when we're talking about these basketball games in these series, right? Um, <clears throat> I do believe that one of the real uh, key uh, components to this uh, run for the Lakers is that um, we look at the Lakers. And so earlier this season, as we know, LeBron James won the not one, he broke the all-time scoring record. And this is something I've been pointing to. It's amazing to me how much energy he had and how he was running up and down the floor and dunking on everybody and not looking at all like a 20-year player. That's all we were hearing. We've never seen a guy in year 20 play like this. He looks like LeBron in year 13. All types of energy, all types of bounce, this, that, and the third, right? He takes the scoring title. And then all of a sudden, he gets hurt and he goes down for a while. Very interesting. Personally, I'm not going to say he wasn't hurt, 
but I'm going to say he did milk that break. Right. And, uh, you know, if you just look at it, you can see that. Right. And so here's the here's the other part of it. Now, while he was out, um, obviously, we know Rob Palenka made some big trade moves at the uh, trade deadline. But while he was out, it's amazing how all of a sudden Anthony Davis starts going off and the rest of the team gels together. They're playing outstanding defense. And when he went out, he being LeBron, the, the, the Lakers weren't in even position to make the playoffs. Right. While he's chasing his numbers. He goes out, the team coalesces, Anthony Davis is playing like a monster, and all of a sudden they get to a position where they make the play-in, right? So what I want to say is the team was better without him. Now, that's that's a two-sided coin, right? Well, every coin is two-sided, but there's two sides of that. The team played better without him for that stretch, but you can never truly say a team is better without their best player and without a guy who's all-time, right? That's like saying... Elijah Wan gets hurt and misses 15 games and, uh, you know, uh, the, the Rockets go on a stretch and they win some games and they're better without him. No, you're never going to be better without an all-time guy. But it is very interesting how the team came together and puts them in position to have success, starts playing better defense, et cetera, et cetera, without him. Now, do the Lakers get this far without LeBron? I doubt it because, one, you can't count on AD. And, two, um, you look at how he kind of directs things on the floor, kind of like a, on defense, he's your middle linebacker, you know, calling things out on offense, he's your, he's your quarterback. So um, you, you look at that. But it is interesting to see how guys all of a sudden flourish when he's not around. And realistically, you can even see that throughout his career in terms of uh, guys that he played with on his teams and then them moving on and having great success on other teams without him. But that could be a whole nother show of its own. But anyway, um, I did find that really interesting. So now what I want to point to is um, you're looking at the Lakers and uh, specifically Anthony Davis, who did the heavy lifting in this series. That's what I really find to be interesting. Right. And um like last night, Anthony Davis had 17 points and 20 rebounds. He's been an incredible defender all year long, right? He's been an incredible defender all year long. And he's, uh, you know, he's been rebounding and he's been kind of the, the guy. Remember, this whole thing was the reason that uh, allegedly that Anthony Davis was brought there was in order for the Lakers to be able to pass the torch to him as LeBron James slowed down in his career. Right. And that's kind of, that's, um, that's now he's, you know, definitely on the back nine. So you're, they're saying, okay, well, Anthony Davis should have been the guy to take over and LeBron wants him to take over. And personally, I don't believe that, you know, any, any of these all-time great players has an ego. I don't believe that LeBron wanted Anthony, uh, Anthony Davis to take over and be that guy. I believe that he wanted the, you know, the help of an all-time player like he always does, right? Now, real quick, I'm not going to knock that because almost no one is capable of winning it on their own without all-time great help. Dream in 94, that's the only guy I can think of. But anyway, almost no one is capable of getting that done, right? So I get it that he needs help, but now you want to you wanna look at it and say, um, well, Le LeBron wanted Anthony Davis to take over. No, he didn't. What he wanted was another guy to do the heavy lifting, and he wanted another guy to be the scapegoat when things don't go how he expected them to go. But now, since he physically can't go at the same level for extended periods of time, Anthony Davis has to be the guy, and that's what Anthony Davis has been. He has taken over in this series. Um, again, the 17 and 20 last night, incredible. Um, I think he averaged almost four blocks a game for the series. So doing tremendous rim protection, really attacking the boards, which was really necessary in a series like this when you got a guy like Kevon Looney 
who is just eating everything on the glass. Looney had like 18 boards last night himself, even though it was a blowout loss. So um, Anthony Davis, to me, is really the guy who deserves the credit here. Uh, now, uh, looking forward. Oh, no, before we look forward, um, another interesting note. Now we get into the conspiracy theories a little bit. Um, this is so interesting to me because on the whole, right, and th there can be an easy explanation or not necessarily, but on the whole, the Los Angeles Lakers shot 160 free throws in this series. Okay. The Golden State Warriors shot 80. 8-0. Exactly half the amount of free throws in this series, i.e. one for every two free throws that the Lakers shot. Okay. Now, in those wins... The Lakers averaged 32 free throw attempts per game, right? And that gave them a free throw differential of 19.8. Uh, In the two losses, the Lakers only shot 16, right? So wh why am I telling you this? I'm saying this to say it's pretty obvious that, well, I'm not going to say it's obvious. I'm not going to say the league is rigged. I'm not going to impugn the integrity of NBA officials because they are professionals and this is their job. But this is actually the greatest free throw disparity of any playoff series in NBA history. Yes, I said that. It is the greatest free throw disparity of any playoff series in NBA history. You're going to tell me there's nothing wrong with that? You're going to tell me there's nothing fishy about that? And let's be real, right? Again, I'm not going to say it's fixed or rigged, but leagues know what's going to draw the most attention, the most eyeballs, the most ratings, right? Because at the end of the day, as much as it's competition, it's more a business and entertainment product. And the league wants to make their money off of this. So are you telling me the league wouldn't rather see LeBron James in the same year he breaks the all-time scoring title in the NBA Finals, possibly against the Boston Celtics? Like, what could you sell any better than that, right? You couldn't. Me personally, as much as I'm a diehard Celtics fan, what I really want to see in the NBA Finals, obviously I'd love to see the Celtics win a chip, but from, from a, a, a difference perspective, I'd love to see Jokic, the two-time uh, former MVP, and the, and, and, and the Nuggets in the NBA Finals against the 76ers and the reigning MVP who just took it over, Joel Embiid, the two best bigs in the game. I want to see those guys battle it out for seven games in the NBA Finals. That's what I want to see because uh, there's a lot of people out there who think Jokic is better than Embiid. I think that's absolute nonsense. I think he's probably got a more complete offensive game, but when they match up, Embiid eats his lunch. And that's what I want to see. Both of those guys, relatively healthy, playing against each other in the finals. That's what I want to see. But from a marketing standpoint, you know that the NBA would love nothing more to have LeBron James in the year that he breaks the all-time scoring record, right? Go up against the Boston Celtics, Lakers versus Celtics, LeBron and Tatum. Tatum, the young lion coming. LeBron, still the old lion trying to hold on to his pride, right? And also, right, uh, what another argument would it be uh, it would continue the argument all summer long if LeBron was to take the scoring championship all time and then win an NBA championship in the same season. And he'll probably get finals MVP again, despite the fact that Anthony Davis is the one doing the work. But the NBA wants that. Now, I'm not saying they rigged it for that to happen, but I think officials know what the league wants. And subconsciously, maybe that takes a uh, maybe that. uh uh, affects again subconsciously how these guys call games because there's no reason to have 
doubled the free throws one team took, you know, uh, versus the other in, in an entire series. Like 160 to 80, that's absolutely insane. That doesn't even make sense. And then you want to say, well, Golden State is a jump shooting team and uh, uh, the war, um, the Lakers are an inside pounded team. Yeah, you can say that, except for the fact that through game five, they had taken almost identical amounts of drives to the basket. So the numbers don't bear out that there should be that substantial of free throw differential. It just doesn't. Now, all of that said, none of it matters. The series is over. Golden State can whine about that. They can complain about that. This is uh, the first time in Steve Kerr's tenure as Golden State head coach that they've lost a playoff series in the Western Conference playoffs. And they have some serious regrouping they need to do this summer, and they need to figure out how they're going to handle it. They need to figure out what type of extension they're going to give Clay that's going to make him happy, or even if they want to do that. They need to figure out what they do with Draymond Green. They need to figure out what they do with Jordan Poole. Steph Curry appears to be pretty much the only constant on that roster. So this is going to be a very interesting offseason for the Warriors. But before we even get to that, it doesn't matter because we got to sit back and watch what's left of the NBA playoffs. And that's Jokic versus LeBron and Anthony Davis, right? That's uh, um, Miami sitting back to see the winner of Boston and um, Boston and Philly. And real quick note, man, props to Miami. I believe they were the number eight seed coming in and another masterful job by Eric Spolstra. Um, Pat Riley, man, we just can't say enough about your level of greatness in terms of building this team, building this roster, getting the right type of players. Over all these years, you've been in Miami, getting the heat culture in place and then uh, uh, molding and mentoring Eric Spolstra into the great coach that he's become. So I uh, can't say enough about that organization. Um, obviously, I'd love to see the Celtics come out on top because I, I've been a Celtics fan since 1986. I was in third grade when when the Celtics won that last championship with Larry Bird. So uh, I've been a big time fan of theirs for a long time. But, you know, from from a journalistic storyline standpoint, I would love to see Embiid and Jokic go at it in the finals. Who knows if that's going to happen? But um, yeah, props to LeBron James. Props to the Los Angeles Lakers. They closed it out last night. I didn't think they would. Um, shouts to all my Lakers fans out there. My big brother, shout out, Mark. I know you're pretty happy this morning. My man, Kyrie, um, uh, all the other, my man, uh, Bryant Transform, all my Lakers fans out there, man. I know you guys are happy this morning. But now you got a different matchup on your hands, and it's going to be really interesting to see how the Lakers and Darvin Ham draw up the defense against Nikola Jokic because him being a center and him playing the way he does – completely takes you out of the way that you would traditionally play defense. But the good thing is Anthony Davis being such a big and mobile um, uh, defender as a big man, it's not like you're taking a traditional big away from the basket to try and defend a guy like Jokic. So Anthony Davis and Jokic, that's going to be a tremendous matchup. Can't wait to see it. Uh, looking forward to it. So um, this one kind of dragged on a little bit longer than usual, but just a lot of thoughts I had going through my mind. And again, Props to my Lakers fans. Props to the Lakers. Um, I will say as a Celtics fan, that's always what it's going to be. But, you know, as an objective journalist, man, um, LeBron James, one of the great, one of the best big game performers of all time. And he showed it again last night. Near triple-double, uh, 39-9, and 10-14 shooting. Uh, can't praise that enough. But that free throw disparity throughout that series, that's absolutely disgusting. And I don't know what the NBA can do or how they can look at it, but something needs to change there. Uh, anyway, um, uh, so these are my thoughts. Uh, what I want to know from you, what do you think of the next series, uh, Lakers and uh, Nuggets? 
who comes out on top of that. Uh, do you think LeBron is still the guy? Do you think Anthony Davis is the guy? Leave your comments in the comments section. I'll be back with you next episode. Can't wait to hear them. And I'm out. Peace.